Hello. Hello, it's good to see you. There's lots of people I don't recognize. So if you don't know me, my name is Hazel. I'm part of the team here at church. I'm the pastor here. So we're, we're so glad you're here. It's really good to see you. And we hope that you enjoy uh, meeting God here this morning and hopefully meeting some other nice people too. So we are in 1 Corinthians still. We've been working through this book slowly over the last few months and we're quite near to the end actually. We're in chapter 12 today. So what I want to do is just to crack on, read the passage uh, and get going. So if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, why don't you sit your hand up um, and Chloe and Luke, if you wouldn't mind being Bible monitors. These guys will bring you a Bible. So if you don't have one, stick your hand up. Maybe there's no one that needs one. Hey, we don't need Bible monitors. Oh, one, two, yeah, we do, okay. And you know what, if you don't have a Bible at home, you can take this one with you as a present. Take this, have it in your home. It's, it's yours now as a present from us. Uh, so it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're looking at verses 1 to 11 today, which are about spiritual gifts. And um, you might want to turn to that now. It will be on the screen as well. And if you're using your phone because you're all cool and modern like that, then can I just ask that you switch it off so it doesn't ring in the middle of the sermon because that would be distracting. Okay, let's go. So it's chapter 12, verse 1. I've got a little bit of Weetabix on my page, which is a bit... <laughs> okay. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Okay, that's our passage for today. We're looking at spiritual gifts, and whilst we talk about gifts, it just makes me think about Christmas, and I'll remind you that it's 60 days till Christmas. However, we're not talking about Christmas gifts, we're talking about spiritual gifts. Today, um, Actually, I'm not going to do so much of a picking this passage apart verse by verse, so apologies if that's what you were looking for this morning, but actually I feel like what, what I'm going to bring is a bit more of a vision talk, something that I feel God has spoken to me about over the past few weeks. So I felt like God gave me a picture of our church like a tree. I've been thinking and praying about this for a few weeks, and this picture that God gave me was of a big tree, a big tree that's been there for many years it's seen the seasons come, it's seen the seasons go, but God was drawing my attention to the roots. And as I looked, the roots were growing and they were growing down deep into the soil, growing deeper into the soil. And of course, as the roots went deeper, it meant that they spread further, spread further out. And I felt like God said, that is Gilk Park. It's time, it's a season for paying attention to our roots. 
It's a time to go deeper. It's a time to go further. And so Chuck, in the next few weeks, is going to come and share some vision for our church as, as the whole church, as, as all of our sites, one church in many places. But what I feel God is saying to us here in the city center at Guilt Park is this is a season where he is calling us and he is calling us to go deeper and he is calling us to go further. So when I landed on this passage uh, for this morning, actually it fits so brilliantly with what I feel God is saying. And so we're going to look at that a little bit this morning. So I'm not going to look um, at each individual gift and what they mean, but actually what I want to look at is why has God given us them? What are they for? Why has God given us spiritual gifts? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for us as a church? So before we kind of get into the nitty-gritty of that, let's just have a very super quick overview of what, what do we mean by spiritual gifts. By spiritual gifts, we mean any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. An ability that is not something that I could just do on my own, but an ability that is empowered uh, supernaturally by God's Spirit, okay? It's not the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, it's not, they're things like peace, patience, love. We read about them in Galatians. They develop in us when we become a Christian. But these are gifts given to us. They are external. They are from God, given to us, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And as it says in verse 7, for the common good. So very quickly, there's this list that Paul says. I don't believe that's an exhaustive list of all the gifts that God could possibly give to us in the spiritual realm. But this is the ones that Paul has chosen in 1 Corinthians to uh, mention. So wisdom, you know, knowing the right thing to say or do at a particular time in a God-inspired way. Knowledge, when God gives you almost like inside information, like a piece of knowledge about a person or a situation, you think, how did I know that? They never told me that. God told you that. Faith, the gift of faith. Some people have that gift where they're just like, you know, I know that God is going to do this. I really believe that God is going to come through on this. I'm going to pray, pray, pray. That's a gift of faith. The gift of healing, hopefully that's reasonably self-explanatory. You know, when you pray for someone and they get better, that's a gift of healing. Uh, miraculous powers. Sounds very vague. Sounds a bit like a superhero type thing. Miraculous powers, I think that's just when God does something that is miraculous and we know that it was God and not us. I think that's a demonstration of miraculous power. Um, distinguishing between spirits. So that's being able to see this actually is the Holy Spirit at work. This is God. And being able to tell when it's not God. Being able to tell, actually, I think that might be something darker. That might be the enemy. That's not God. Being able to tell those things, that's a gift. The gift of tongues is um, a prayer language between me and God. But sometimes, and that's a gift, but sometimes uh, God inspires people to share a tongue publicly to the church. And scripture says when that happens, that the Holy Spirit will also provide an interpretation for that tongue. And that interpretation is a gift of the Spirit. So that is very briefly, an overview of the gifts that Paul is talking about today. So when he talks about spiritual gifts, when I talk about spiritual gifts, I'm referring to this little list here. So why does God give us gifts? Have you ever been given a gift where you get it and you're like, uh, thanks, What's, what do I do with that? What is that for? Has anyone ever had that moment? I think I have too, yeah. My brother once gave me a box of tissues. I knew what they were for, but I was like, uh, thanks. But sometimes we get a gift and we think, what is that for? Um, and sometimes we need a clarification on what things are for. So, for example, if you can put the slide up, you might be given one of these. What a lovely gift to give someone. It's a dustpan and brush with a long handle. Very practical. If for some reason you just didn't know what that was or what it was for, well, 
aren't you lucky? Because it comes with instructions about what it's not. If you click to the next slide. If you're not sure, it is not a broomstick, it is not a golf club, uh, it is not a microphone. That helps shed some light on the situation. You might be given a fridge. If you, if you were very, very lucky on the next slide, you might have been given a fridge. How generous, I'm sure they don't come that cheap. But if you happen to not know, what do I do with that? Again, it comes with very helpful instructions. Well, please don't use it to put your clothes in. Please don't lie in it. And uh, I definitely would advise against using it as a punch bag. And so when it comes to the spiritual gifts, what we're looking at today is, God, what are they for? What are they for? Why have you given us these gifts? And I believe that they are gifts for growth. They are gifts for growth. But what do we do with them and why? can't read my own writing. Okay, they're gifts for growth. So everything that we look at this morning is going to come under the banner of the call of God upon us to be going deeper and to be going further. So how do we use these gifts for growth to go deeper and to go further? First of all, I believe God gives us these gifts to strengthen us. Okay, as we go deeper, the gifts are for strengthening us. Christmas 1993 the best present I got given. You'll be surprised to know it wasn't my Take That Live at Wembley video, although that was a very good gift. Uh, it was the fact that I got given a Nintendo Game Boy. First generation, you know, the first time we'd ever held a computer in our hands. I mean, how cool was that? The green screen and all of that. It was a total brick, but I loved it. And, you know, it didn't take long before I became quite quickly obsessed with Tetris. And I became amazing at Super Mario Brothers. And it was just such a good gift to be given at Christmas. Um, the only thing was, this gift wasn't just for me. It was a joint present between me and my brother. So we had to share it. And so we had this rule, the 15-minute rule it was called, whereby, you know, if one of us was playing on it, the other one had to say, if they wanted it, they had to say 15 minutes. And then in 15 minutes, you had to put it down and give it to them. It had moments where it was quite frustrating, but we shared it. It was a gift for sharing. Now, the word uh, that Paul uses when he talks about spiritual gifts, the word gift that he uses is the word charisma. And that word means grace gifts for the church. Okay, grace gifts, not gifts that you've earned, but great gifts, gifts that have been given to you in grace for the whole church. And Paul says that, doesn't he, in verse 7, that they're given for the common good. They're given for the whole church. Now, you may think, well, actually, isn't, isn't that very obvious? I mean, if God's given me the gift of healing, of course I'm going to share that. Like, I'm not just going to sit at home and pray for myself when I've got a headache and lay hands on my dog and my goldfish. Like, of course I'm going to share it. If God's given me a gift of healing, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to be saying, is anyone sick? I'd love to pray for you. Has anyone got anything wrong with them? I'd love to share God's healing with you. If God's given me that gift, I'll be doing it all the time. I should be you know, praying for people in the ministry time after the service. I should be praying for people in my home. I should be praying for people in my small group all the time. I heard a story of three people praying in the kitchen downstairs, okay? They were just making dinner, having a casual chat, and one of them says, oh, do you know what? I've been really struggling with um, tennis elbow, I think it was. And so the other two said, well, let's just pray. And so the three of them, just in the kitchen, very casually, said, God, would you come? Would you heal this condition? And he did. He did. And so, you know what? The person who had the sore elbow, of course they were encouraged. 
wow, God's done that. But the two people who were praying, they were encouraged as well. Everybody gets encouraged, don't they, when we exercise the spiritual gifts. Everyone gets encouraged. If I'm someone who hears from God for other people, I should be doing it all the time. You know, coming to church and saying, God, is there anyone here this morning that you want to give me a word of knowledge for, a word of encouragement for? Is there anyone here this morning, Lord, that that I could just share your heart with? I was hearing also about a friend this week who said he was praying for another one of his friends and he felt that God gave him a word or a picture of an egg, you know, and a, a chick hatching from an egg, you know. And he said to his friend, I was praying for you and I felt like God said you're coming into a new season. It's going to be exciting. You're coming into a new time. Uh, and the friend actually replied and said, that's so encouraging. Actually, what you didn't know is we're expecting a baby. And he was encouraged because God had said, you know, it's a new season and it's going to be exciting. And so the person who's having the baby, he's thinking, oh, God knows that I was feeling a bit anxious. God knows. And he's just telling me it's going to be okay. And the person who gave the word is like, oh, I heard God. So again, everybody gets encouraged. Last week downstairs in MAD, in our kids' ministry, the kids were practicing hearing from God. And they were asking God, please, God, would you give us pictures for these guys upstairs, for the adults? And so they did that. They were asking God for prophetic words for us in here. And after the service, they came up and shared that. So there may well be people in this room last week who you were encouraged by God through our children. Isn't that brilliant? And we're going to do more of that because we're just excited about what God wants to do through our children's ministry. Everyone gets encouraged because the gifts are not for us as individuals. The gifts are for us as the church. They're not trophies or medals that we put on a mantelpiece and say, I've got that one, I've got healing. They're not to be put on the shelf and just looked at and get dusty and never used. They're for sharing because everybody gets encouraged. Everybody gets built up. They're for the common good. And here's the thing, right? Sharing is fun isn't it really? Sharing is fun. I'm glad I shared my Game Boy with my brother because do you know what? It meant we had something to talk about, something to share. You know, I'd be like, hey, I unlocked a secret level on Mario Brothers. And he's like, what? Well, oh, I love Mario Brothers. It's such a good game, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, it's such a good game, isn't it? We get to encourage one another with how good Super Mario Brothers is. And it's the same with the spiritual gifts. We all get encouraged. Isn't God good? Yes, God is good. It builds the church. It builds the church. Later in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, verse 12, Paul says, talking, continuing to talk about the gifts, and he says, excel in the gifts that build up the church. Paul also says in Ephesians 4, 12, that after Jesus went to heaven, he left the Holy Spirit, he left the gifts to equip his people so that the body of Christ might be built up. So the gifts are for building us up, for strengthening us. And don't we want that? Don't we want to be a church that's strong? Don't we want to be a church that's built on the Holy Spirit, that's encouraged by what he does? Don't we want that? It seems to me that God's intention for the church is that it was always meant to be a place where his power was evident. It was always meant to be a place where his power was evident. You know, when you look at Jesus' life, it says he traveled, he preached, 
He healed the sick. It says that continually. He went places, he traveled, he preached, he healed the sick. That's what he did. And then he told his disciples to do the same. So he commissioned them and he said, go, heal the sick. Go, drive out demons, raise the dead. That's what he told them to do. So Jesus did it. The disciples did it. And then Paul starts speaking about how the gifts of the Spirit should be used in the church. So there's an expectation that people will be doing all the same stuff in the local church. The church was always meant to be a place where God's power was evident and I believe that God is calling us deeper into that into the depths of all he has for us into the riches of all he has for us into life in the spirit to strengthen us to encourage us and we want to be a church that says yes to that yes Lord yeah we want more of your power we want more miracles God we want to see more people healed we want to see more people set free we want to see prophetic words changing the course of people's lives yes we want that Lord and God is calling us to that so God gives us the gifts to strengthen second God gives us the gifts to bring life I recently went to see the film Everest now I don't want to give anything away but it's about climbing Everest. I'll just say that. It's about a group of climbers who climb Mount Everest. And you know what? It takes months and months of preparation to do something like that. Even by the time they get out to the mountain, they're not allowed to go to the top straight away. They have to do all these practice climbs, go a little bit and then go back and then go a little bit further and go back because they have to acclimatize to living at altitude, living at height. Because at height, at altitude, there is much less air. So when you get to the top of Everest, which is 8,850 meters high, there is only 33% of the air that we have at sea level. So it's difficult to breathe. It's hard to breathe. And when we can't breathe, the body struggles. Uh, climbers will talk about mountain sickness, you know, where they're at altitude and they experience dizziness and vomiting and diarrhea and fatigue or more seriously swelling on the brain or fluid on the lungs because when we can't breathe, our body struggles. In scripture, the word for the Holy Spirit translates as wind or breath. The Hebrew word is ruach, the Greek word is pneuma and scripture is telling us that the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God, and where there is breath, there is life. You know, if we don't have breath, we don't live, right? Where there is breath, there is life. So where there is the Holy Spirit, there is life. So where the spiritual gifts are exercised, there is life. The Spirit brings life. At creation, it was the Holy Spirit that you know, the breath of God in Adam's nostrils that gave him life. It was the Holy Spirit that uh, created Jesus in Mary's room. Jesus says in John 6, the Spirit gives life. And Paul says in Romans 8, a mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace because the Spirit brings life. And so the gifts of the Spirit are given to us to keep the blood pumping to keep the spirit, the breath of God flowing through our veins. So when the church moves in the prophetic, when the church sees miracles happen, when a, a tongue is given and interpreted and so on, the breath of God is at work keeping the body of Christ alive. And as we go deeper, deeper into God, we find there is more and more life. There is nourishment as we go deep into the soil 
deeper into God and deeper into life. Dave spoke last week about how the church is the body of Christ. You know, it didn't say we're the dummy of Christ or we're the robot of Christ. You know, the church was never meant to be lifeless, programmed by man, robotic, predictable, you know, all that stuff. No, we're not the robot of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are full of the breath of God, living, breathing, moving, active. I am terrible with plants, okay? There's an admission there. I know you think I'm perfect. I know that you think that about me, but here's a little secret. I'm, I kill plants. And uh, it's a shame because I really, I love orchids. And, uh, and I've heard about orchids, and I've seen with other people's orchids, that even when the flowers fall off, sometimes if you give them time and you keep watering them, they can re-blossom. Uh, and I have several dead orchids around my house and even on my desk here, uh, just waiting for them to re-blossom and I don't think it's going to happen because it's just, I'm not good. I'm not good with that. I, uh, yes, I'm not good at keeping plants alive. We know that where there is life, there should be growth, right? If something has stopped growing, we know there's a problem. If, you know, if a child doesn't develop properly, we know there's an issue. If the seeds we planted in our garden a year ago have never sprouted, we know that something is not right, you know? The Spirit brings life, which means that the Spirit brings growth. And God is calling us to grow our roots deep, deep down, and keep on growing. So what does it look like? What am I, you know, I'm saying all this stuff about going deeper. What does that look like? You know, you can have a deep relationship with God, intimate relationship where you and him on your own, you, you have a, an amazing personal relationship with God where you have the most precious quiet times and that's brilliant and wonderful and I really hope you do have that. It's important and vital. But I'm asking the question, what does it look like for us together here as a church? What does it look like for us corporately to go deeper? And I think it looks like this. It looks like a church who are moving in the gifts of the Spirit and allowing him to stir up life. So that means being a people who come to church prepared, ready to give, ready to bring not being people that come like, oh, what can I get from church today? I hope the worship's good. I hope the talk's not too long. I hope my friends are there. No, people that come ready to bring, Lord, how do you want to use me today? God, is there a word you want me to share? God, is there someone in particular you really want me to talk to and pray with? Being people that are ready to bring. I think it's also about being a church that embrace those moments uh, in our services where we wait on God. You know those moments where we just have silence and we say, we're just going to wait. We're just going to wait on God. We do that on purpose. <laughs> They're deliberate parts of our service because we don't want to fill all the space just with us all the time. We want to make sure that we create space for him to speak. So we need to be a people that embrace those moments, not switch off and think, well, I hope this quiet bit ends soon. Not people that think about, you know, what the kids are doing downstairs. Not people that are thinking, oh, let's just wait. So-and-so will pray out in a minute because they always do. But in those moments saying, Lord, I'm listening. What do you want to say? What do you want to do? What are you doing in me? And we want to make more of those moments. We're not embarrassed about being quiet. We love those moments. We cherish those moments when God speaks to us. It looks like being a church that presses into prayer. 
prayer not just for ourselves and our own situations and our lives, but prayer for our church, prayer for our city, prayer for our nation, prayer for our world. You know, we have, uh, as Rachel mentioned earlier, we've got two weeks of nonstop prayer coming up. We love those weeks. We normally only do them for seven days, but we love it so much. This is the first time we're rolling it out for a fortnight because we love it. We love prayer and we believe that God hears our prayers and when we push into him, we see breakthroughs. So we've got two weeks of prayer coming up. Uh, we have got prayer meetings coming up for this new season that I spoke about, the spreading life season. Please come. Please join us. We just want to soak this season in prayer. Say, God, what do you want to do? God, would you speak? You know, uh, a number of us, we, we pray, lots of the church staff and the CLT, we pray and fast on a Monday. We give up our breakfast and our lunch and use that time to pray. Why don't you consider joining us in that? Maybe it's not food that, that you want to give up, but you could give up something else to make that time for pushing into prayer with God for our church, for our city, for our nation, for our world. You know, it looks like small groups who get together and commit to doing this together, saying actually we really value the work of the Holy Spirit in this small group because that's what our church does. And in our small groups, we're going to promise to make space for him. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to put someone in the middle and say, right, God, what do you want to say to this person? Maybe even you want to do that on the streets. You want to go out as a small group and say, God, is there anyone on this street that you want us to pray for? Anyone in this coffee shop? Maybe that's what God is calling you to do, to step out, to go deeper. Maybe you do all that hotspot stuff in your home, but it's time to step it up a gear. And going deeper for you looks like taking it out to the streets. Perhaps as a small group, you want to commit to fasting together. Maybe you could break your fast together when you meet in the evening. I don't know. But I do know this. God is calling us deeper and he wants to speak to us. You know, when we seek him, when we're hungry for him, he, he doesn't disappoint us. He doesn't. He is not the kind of God, he's not the kind of father who sits in his office and we knock on the door and say, excuse me, Dad. And he says, I'm not, I'm not free just now. Stop bothering me, please. Go away. He is not that kind of father. He's the, come here, you. Come sit on my lap. I want to give you a hug. I want to talk to you. He's that kind of father. When we seek him, he doesn't disappoint. He wants to talk to us. He wants to pour out his gifting in us. He wants to strengthen us, and he wants to give us life. So he's calling us deeper, but I also believe that he is calling us further. And he gives us the gifts so that we can do that. He gives us the gifts so that we can go. So as a tree's roots go deep, you'll know this, I'm sure, that they don't just go directly down, straight down into the ground, do they? They don't just go vertically down. Roots go down, but they go out. And I'm no tree expert, as I've admitted from my killing of orchids. I'm no good with plants or anything of that kind. But the experts tell me on Wikipedia that uh, a tree's roots can grow three times as wide as it is high. Imagine that, some of the size of some trees that you see and their roots are three times that height, but wide, stretching out. And so the roots don't just affect the area immediately where the tree is planted, but the roots affect the surrounding areas of the tree. Roots can spread into neighbors' gardens. That causes a lot of trouble, doesn't it? Roots can cause disruption to drains and to the foundations of buildings. And we want to be the kind of church that affects those around us, don't we? We want to be uh, the kind of church that causes a holy disruption, that causes some damage to our surroundings for the sake of the kingdom. 
a church with roots that not only go deep, but go far. The church was made for mission. That is what we're for. The church was made for mission. Jesus said that to the disciples. Go, make disciples of all nations. The church was made for mission, and so the spiritual gifts that bring life and strengthen us, the spiritual gifts, they're tools for the team. The spiritual gifts are tools for our mission. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul said, In him, in Jesus, you have been enriched. You do not lack any spiritual gift as you wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. In Jesus, you have been enriched and you do not lack any spiritual gift. In other words, we have all that we need until Jesus returns. We have all that we need to help us complete our mission. We do not lack anything. You know, Jesus might not be here, but his Holy Spirit is. He is here with us by his Spirit, and he is giving us strength and life and tools to go. The Holy Spirit gives us tools for mission. The spiritual gifts are not just for the church. They're for the world. You know, they're not just for in here. They're for out there. You know, and people hear that, and they're like, oh, what an how on earth does that work? And I just think, honestly, we don't have to make a big deal of it. We don't have to make it super spiritual. What does that mean? It means, you know, you're chatting with someone at work and they're like, oh, I've been really struggling with my bad back. And you say, well, you know, you know I'm a Christian. Would you mind if I prayed for you? That's not a big deal, is it? It's not, that's not super spiritual. Well, I know that God can heal. Do you mind if I pray? You know, or to commit to praying for our friends that don't know Jesus and then being willing to say, I was praying for you the other day. And you know, I might be wrong, but I felt like God just said to me that you don't need to worry about your finances. And your friend says, I didn't tell you I was worrying about my finances. How do you know that? Well, I think God told me that, and, and God says, don't worry about it. It doesn't need to be weird. It doesn't need to be over-spiritualized. I think we should be open as well to, um, to God speaking to us for strangers. I heard such a good story yesterday. We were at a church planting conference here with a guy called Steve Barber. And he was telling this story about how when he first planted a church in Southend, he had no team. It was just him on his own. And uh, he, he said he was walking down the street in Southend and he saw a busker and he heard the Lord say, go ask her to lead worship on Sunday. And he was like, uh, I can't, no, I, I can't do that. And he ignored God and he said, I walked around the town and it just didn't go away. And I knew God was saying, go and ask her to lead worship in your church on Sunday. So he mustered up some courage and went and stood and listened to her playing. And he bought a CD and all of that. And then he had some chat with her. And then he said, listen, how would you feel about playing in church? And she just looked at him wide-eyed. And she went, I would love to. She said, me and my friends, we've just become Christians this week. And we were wondering, well, wh what do we do now? What do we do now? Everyone gets encouraged again, right? She was super encouraged. God had found her uh, a place where to go next, what to do next. Steve was encouraged. Oh, I heard God and I took a risk and it was good and it was right. And we all benefit and we were all encouraged. You know, the gifts of the Spirit are not just for in here. They are for out there as well. Isn't it interesting that at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and the church just exploded in number. The Holy Spirit came. When you read the, the early chapters of Acts, you read things like 3,000 were added to their number that day. 
the, uh, the number of men who believed grew to 5,000. I mean, can you imagine that? The Holy Spirit comes and suddenly the church explodes in number. How exciting is that? Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings life and he brings growth. Church attendance in Scotland has apparently dropped by 27% in the last five years. People need Jesus. People need Jesus. And if we don't take Jesus to people, who will? You know, if that stat shocks me, what am I going to do about it? How am I going to help? And that's the call of us as Christians, to go, to go. If we don't go, who will? Tell me, has anyone here got a friend who isn't a Christian? Yeah? I think probably we all have, and probably more than one friend who isn't a Christian. Imagine how many relational connections are in this room right now. Between us, we are connected to hundreds, maybe even thousands, I don't know how many friends you have. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of people who don't know Jesus. That's our mission field right there. Yeah? If we don't take Jesus to them, who will? Who will? And so as God is calling us to go deep and to go further and to go, one of the things we want to do as part of that is a really big push for Christmas this year. Christmas, uh, we know, don't we, more than any other time of year, Christmas is a time when people who don't know Jesus are actually open to coming to church because they like Christmas and they like carols and who doesn't like mince pies and mulled wine and all that? You know, it's good, isn't it? But it's a time of year when people actually often stop and take check and review their year, review where life is at and possibly ask big questions. What a fantastic opening and opportunity for us as the people of God to invite them to church. And so this year we want to go big with Christmas. We want it to be the best, most tinselly, most Jesus-filled, exciting Christmas that we've done at City Church yet. You know, we're going to have two carol services, um, and they're both going to be late afternoon and evening. We're not going to have a morning service, but we're going to do the family carols at 430 and then the 7 p.m. And that is so that it's dark, so that it's cozy and candlelit. And we want to do that really well and create a lovely atmosphere. We're going to have carol services. We're going to have our Christmas Eve candlelit service. We'll have our Christmas Day service. In the run-up to Christmas, we'll be doing our hamper challenge again, where we fill up um, hampers with Christmas goodies and take it out to our neighbors and our community to bless them and say, Happy Christmas, love from the church. We're going to do that. We're going to go out on the streets. We're going to hand out invites to our carol services. We're going to give hot chocolate to people who are out doing their Christmas shopping and bless them with that. After Christmas, there's plans to run Alpha uh, so that we can you know, invite people to explore Jesus a bit more. We have such an opportunity at Christmas time to invite people to church. We're going to get the flyers done soon. The invites will be out and ready in the next couple of weeks. But I want us to take this seriously. If God is calling us as a church to go further, and if God is, and I believe he does, equipping us with every spiritual gift, then we need to just go and do it. So we need to take the time to say, Lord, who is it that you want me to invite? Who is it, Lord? Pray for that person, those people, and then invite them. Lord, where can I put an invite up? You know, in my staff room, on my Facebook, um, you know, in the doctor's surgery, Lord, how can I invite as many people as possible to church this Christmas? 
This matters. It's not just about having a full church at Christmas time and feeling good about ourselves. It's not just about making our church look good. It's about introducing people to Jesus and giving them eternal life in him. It matters. If we don't go, who will? Just wrap up with this. This this is not for the evangelists. This is not only for the extroverts. Uh, spiritual gifts are not just for the most holy people in our church. It's for all of us. It says the Holy Spirit was poured out on all believers, young, old, men and women. There's no distinction in age, gender, personality type. The Holy Spirit and therefore the gifts of the Spirit are for all of us. And you might say, but I'm not a very good Christian. Actually, you don't realize, but I'm not very holy and I make a lot of mistakes and I, I can see that God would gift them, but not me. You know what? That's rubbish. Paul has spent most of this book writing to the Corinthian church and saying, telling them off for their broken relationships, their immorality, their abuse of freedom, their disorderly worship, all these things that he's kind of trying to correct them on. But he still says to them, guys, you've got spiritual gifts. This is how to use them. Go for it. They're not disqualified because of their brokenness and their sin. And neither am I. Neither are we. The Holy Spirit is poured out on all of us. We're not perfect, but God has given us tools to build us up, to give us life, and to equip us to go. And we're not to be afraid. Paul wrote to Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy 1, 6, 7, and he said to Timothy, the spirit that God gave us doesn't make us timid, but gives us power love and self-discipline and the message translation puts it like this and I like this God doesn't want us to be shy with his gifts but be bold and loving and sensible God doesn't want us to be shy with his gifts but be bold so there's an invitation this morning for us as a church God is calling us deeper and he's calling us to go further are we up for that? I am. So it might look different to different ones of you. You'll know where God is nudging you. Actually, I need to press into this one particular area, whether it's prayer, whether it's actually stepping out in um, sharing prophetic words, or maybe just telling your friends about Jesus. We'll all know for ourselves what the, those particular areas are that God is calling us to press in. But as a church, as a whole, God is saying, come on, do this do this. It's life-giving and it's urgent and it is important. And so what we're going to do, as we do most weeks, is we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. We're going to ask him, come, take us deeper. God, call us further, speak to us. So we're just going to do that. It's as simple as that. So why don't you stand?